For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! It is a non-football Friday here on Birds 365. First one we've had of those in a while. Uh, you got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, here with you for the next two hours. A couple of good guests coming your way. Uh, Johnny Mac, we mentioned the stages of grief yesterday. Um, don't know if uh, closure is one of them. I don't think so. Acceptance, closure. Acceptance, yeah. Right. No, no closure. No yeah, closure. no closure. So I did because that's the word I wanted to ask you about today was closure. Yesterday we got to hear from both Nick Sirianni, Howie Roseman, in a joint interview, not separate, which I would have preferred. But that's just me. I'm a picky guy. Um, and they answered a lot of questions about how the season ended and where we go from here. So there was a sense of closure to the 2022 football season after their loss in Super Bowl 57. Did you get that? Did you feel any closure after hearing from the head coach and the general manager? Well, I think it was different. Uh, So it's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Those are the five stages. I felt Howie was at four. I felt he was depressed, to be honest. And I felt Nick was at five. I, I think Nick has accepted it and, and moved on. In a lot of ways, I, I, you know, one of the amazing things about football coaches is their optimism. 
They have to be optimistic. They have to be. You can't be a pessimistic person. I'm a very cynical person. I think most journalists are. Oh, well, can't t- 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 time out. And then there's Belichick. What the hell do you call him? Uh, he's optimistic. He uh, that, 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 he hides it well. If that's the case, he does a hell of a job. You know, one of the it. things your buddies with Gary Myers. One of the stories he always tells is is when he got to sit next to Belichick. Same thing with Andy Reid. They have this in front of the camera mentality, and then everybody gets to know them behind the scenes. Yeah, that guy's got a good sense of humor. That guy's got. You got to be incredibly optimistic to be a football coach. Even the hard-nosed guys, the you want to go back to the Bill Parcells of the world. You know, again, there's certain instances where they get angry at a player, and they might call him she or something like that. But um, you know, you have to go through this grind each and every day. You have to get each and every player better. You, it doesn't matter. One season, you might have great personnel like this season for the Eagles. Next season, you might have lesser personnel. You still got to go to work. You still got to make the best of it. So they're all now Nick wears it on the sleeve. He's obviously optimistic where somebody like Bill doesn't. Um, But, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he's farther along. How he looked depressed, man. He really did. He looked depressed. They They know. They they missed a golden opportunity. They they understand that. How he looks scarred because that was the word he yeah. chose to describe the team and himself. That yes, he was scarred by that loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. But we did learn a lot from the press conference. It was uh, I know you told me during the week you thought you were going to hear from Howie, not necessarily Nick, and they came out in tandem. It was much more of a Nick Sirianni press conference than a Howie Roseman press conference. Some of that is dictated by you guys asking the questions. Were you as surprised that it was as lopsided as it was? No, because, you know, remember, you don't get to talk to the the head coach. Um, Typically, you know, you have the post-game press conference during the regular season, which you had at the Super Bowl. But you don't get a lot of information from that because – Hasn't watched the film, hasn't, and and they kind of lean. Well, I haven't seen the film. I got to watch the film, and then you know you, you get them the next day when they've watched it, and you get more concrete answers to things. So, with the Super Bowl, you didn't get that that second one. So you wanted to get some answers about the question, but the other part of that was Howie had already spoken to us behind the scenes, and he wasn't going to get into a lot of off-season stuff until the combine. So we knew that as well. So, you know, you can waste time or you can try to go different directions. Yeah, so but part here, of it was... here's, here's where I would disagree with that and, and perfect yesterday with him being available. If they hadn't lost their offensive coordinator and their defense coordinator, I'd buy what you're saying. Listen, he's not going to say anything about the offseason until he gets to the combine. Fine, you can almost get away with that. Well, I have two main coaches decide to go elsewhere and take other jobs. And oh, by the way, some things we found out yesterday about how hands on the general manager was in hiring of the last staff. Well, you know, (laughs) yes, by the way, exactly. I I need my apologies from a lot of listeners on that in a second, but let me finish the point. (laughs) Howie and Jeffrey like to be involved, if not call the shots on the coaching staff. So now that two guys have walked out the door and gotten head coaching jobs, 
Yeah, Howie Roseman needs to be questioned. He can't just say, yeah, catch me at the combine. Then I'll start uh, giving you guys. Yeah, when he was asked about, about the assistance, he was asked about the assistance. Look, last time, I think, you know, they were very hands-on with Doug. We all know they were too hands-on. I think, um, I don't know if everybody knows that, but um, a lot of people think they were too hands-on. I, I think, you know, because the last hire, Nick, was such a strange um, um, process. Uh, you know, look at all the processes this year, Arizona being the last. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of normal. It's kind of normal. That that season, remember, the Eagles were planning on running it back with Doug Peterson. Um, Jeffrey Lurie just wanted to approve his plan and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, he didn't like Doug's plan for the coaching staff. And then he was fired very late. Not typically you're fired, you know, right after the season. Sometimes before the season ends and you have interim coaches. Uh, so it was very late. And they were behind the eight ball. They wanted to talk to Robert Sala, but he was already along with the Jets. And pretty much it was a beta complete and Arthur Smith. And he was already along with 10. Those were the hot candidates at the time. And they got a late start. They weren't able to get involved with them. Then they kind of said, oh, maybe it's going to be Josh McDaniels. He's going to be the guy. <laughs> God, he wasn't. Um, and that's where they, they got Jonathan Gannon. They got to meet Jonathan Gannon because he's very close with Josh McDaniels. And they said, well, this guy's going to be our coordinator, our defensive coordinator. They really liked him. I didn't even know. They 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 decided Shane Steichen was going to be the offensive coordinator uh, before um, they decided that Nick Sirianni was going to be the head coach. That was even new to me. I knew it about Gannon. I didn't know about St- Steichen. Um, So it was a very weird process and it worked out in the end. So nobody's got it, but they're never going to do that process again. Ultimate and, and, and ultimately the, maybe the, 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 you know, maybe the, the, the tail is wagging the dog in the essence of, all right, we got Gannon, we got Steichen. Let's get somebody who's familiar with them. Maybe, maybe maybe that helped Nick. I I think everyone assumed, oh Nick's here, so he's got a history with Shane Steichen. He's got a history with Jonathan Gannon. I said it for the longest time. It had nothing to do with Gannon. Gannon was Gannon was going to be the DC, no matter who they decided was going to be the head coach. And it turns out Steichen as well. So maybe it was the other way around. And typically that's not the way you want to go about things. But remember, Nick didn't have a lot of power at the time. That was his only interview was really underneath the radar. Now, two years later, it looks like a phenomenal move, but that's probably not the way you want to go about it. To be honest, it worked out, but that's a, that's a bad process. I like the way you use the phrase, the tail walking the dog, because that's the way that it kind of played, but it did. Sometimes that works out phenomenally. And I, I would stay away from using never. 
you and I maybe never. We're we're not gonna be around long enough, but you never know what's going to happen. This could uh, come to fruition. And shoot, it did work. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles went back down this road again of hiring coordinators before the head coach. Not the way. It well, I mean the whole pro. I mean the whole process. I mean even going back to Doug firing somebody that late to put yourself in that kind of. It's never going to happen again. I mean, if it does, uh, something went drastically wrong. Um, and I think the Eagles know that's probably not the best process, but it would have to be a young coach who doesn't have a lot of cachet. And that was Nick at the time. And, and here we are. And now all of a sudden he's got a lot of cachet and he does, you know, he's become, he's become the it guy. He, I said it the other day, whether people realize it or not, he has overtaken Sean McVay as the it guy. Oh, you want to coach? Go look at Nick's staff. Um, and, you know, that means you get to put your foot down a little bit more. And we'll see how that uh, shakes out in the coming days and weeks and months and years, hopefully. And the way that Sirianni, but maybe he is a, a good actor because, yes, you're right. He came off as a guy who had gotten to the acceptance level. Uh, I hope he's a good actor uh, in in front of the cameras and maybe a little bit different behind the scenes. I, the thing that I thought was most telling, at least is going to have the biggest effect for next year that we got from yesterday's press conference is, despite them not being ready to officially announce that they're elevating someone to the offensive coordinator from their own uh, pre-existing staff, Brian Johnson, um, Whoever they choose as their next offense quarter, Nick Sirianni plans on making sure that they're calling the plays. That he's going to buy into the John McMullen CEO coaches are the best coaches in the National Football League mindset that it hasn't bothered him. He hasn't been calling plays. Certainly we speculated here on birds when we knew that Steichen was going to be out the door, uh, that Nick may at least consider going back to calling plays, taking that responsibility on. He told us without much hesitation yesterday, that's not the case. He likes the way he is a head coach in the National Football League now and has no intention of going back to calling plays. Yeah, and I think it says two things. It says, one, I mean, obviously he understands the tremendous success. I mean, they were 22-7. and I did the math, and Shane Steichen took over as the play caller. So, you know. It worked out pretty well. Now, I think Shane's a really good play caller. So we have to wait and see what Brian Johnson, but I think the bigger part is that's a clear indication Brian Johnson's getting the job. And if it's not Brian Johnson, it's going to be Kevin Petulo. Because Nick wouldn't be say wouldn't be saying, I'm not going to call the plays to somebody he doesn't know, you know, and somebody's bringing in off the street. So I think there's there's two layers to that. Not that we already didn't know, but yeah, Brian Johnson's going to be the next offensive coordinator, and he's comfortable enough that uh, he's going to allow him to call plays, uh, and I think that's a good thing. Um, now, is he going to be as good as Shane at it? Uh, I don't. I really like Shane Steichen as play caller because I I've gotten to talk to him a lot, and just this whole philosophy of, you know, he's kind of egoless. He doesn't. He doesn't you know, care about looking good. He doesn't, you know, you can't stop this. I'm going to do this. And, you know, and it, it sounds like common sense, but it isn't common sense with these guys. It really isn't. And 
you know, nobody's going to know that Brian's called plays in college at Utah, Houston, helped out of Florida with Dan Mullen. Uh, so he's got a lot of experience at the college level calling plays, and he played quarterback, for those who don't know. He's a really good college quarterback. Um, and hopefully it works out. But, you know, when you lose good coordinators, it, it tends to be – there tends to be a little bit of a learning curve. You know, you're, you're not going to hit the ground running. There's going to be some growing pains. And you talked about Nick Sirianni and his meteoric rise two years ago was Nick who? Wait, who the, who the, who the Eagles hiring as their head coach? Who's, who does Nick Sirianni? Well, two years later, he's a rainmaker and getting guys other gigs around the National Football League. You'd say the same thing about Shane Steichen, that when the Eagles hired him, and we found out yesterday that they hired him before they hired that coach. Kind of a surprise, but when they did, people were like, Shane Steichen, really? He's got play caller he's gonna be an offensive corner or Sirianni's gonna call a place but he's our offensive corner why do we even need this Steichen guy and now as you just stated he's one of the more respected play callers in the entire National Football League and just two years after being in the who is Shane Steichen category he's now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts so yeah the Eagles have become an organization that the rest of the National Football League respects and is ready to uh, turn their organization over on big job placement to guys who uh, scratch their surface here in Philadelphia. All right, the other thing that Nick uh, talked about yesterday, and we'll get to this for just a couple minutes before we punch up our first guest, our buddy Chris Franklin. Um, first question, why didn't you go for it on fourth down? Nothing like cutting straight through the chase. To the uh, I would suggest one of the more debatable topics since the game was over and done with. You and I talked about it uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as well. That um, I didn't, I, I didn't think he should have gone for it. Then I think well, those I, were... I didn't. You know, it was funny because Nick uh, brought up Bob Lang, the Eagles PR guy, who prepared him for the question, and he said, "Yeah, I didn't even think it was an issue until Bob prepared me." And I'm, I'm, I agreed with him. Like I didn't even know it was an issue. Like watching, oh, it's fourth and three or thirty-two. You got to punt the football now. If it's fourth and one and you can do the tush push like they did uh, against San Francisco, uh, that's fine, uh, you know. But fourth and three is not fourth and one. You can't do the tush push. So, um, yeah, you got to punt the football. I've heard so many, like the defense was playing poorly. I, I you know, and I had a couple fans say, well, they're just going to score anyway if you punt it, so you might as well go for it. You can't coach a football team assuming, oh, my defense is so they're going to give up a touchdown every single time. I mean, come on. I, that, that's not – I'm I'm 100% with Nick. That's not even an issue. That's not even an issue. Four and th- fourth and three, their aggressiveness brings this up in people's minds. Right. But they're successful with their aggressiveness because generally they're not stupid with their aggressiveness. So that's how I would describe that. They, they don't take bad percentage chances, and that would have been a bad percentage chance. And, again, I can't speak for everyone who is second-guessing and go, oh, he should have gone for it. It's real easy to say after they return to punt 65 yeah. yards to the five-yard line. That, oh, how did you not go for it there yet? Uh, when the ball's coming off the punter's foot, 
Shankopotamus wrong side of the field. Yeah, then it gets real easy to second guess. But I like the fact that he went 32 out of 32 coaches in the National Football League are probably putting the ball there. Uh, so, yeah, he, he addressed that early. We're going to address plenty for you here on Birds 365 today. Got two uh, solid Eagle guests coming your way. Our usual uh, Monday guy, after the fact, we're we're a little late to get to him this week. Uh, a lot of travel, a lot of travel, a lot of lot of lot of issues this week coming back from Phoenix. Yeah, we're all. I think I'm still jet lag. Is uh, looking okay for non jet lag. Uh, Franklin's in there waving, uh, shaking his head in the uh, waiting room. Chris Franklin from NJ.com is going to jump aboard with us coming up in just a couple of minutes, a little later. Les Bowen, longtime Eagle beat writer, is going to be on with us. Lots of Eagle stuff going forward with yesterday's Sirianni and Howie Roseman media availability. Uh, we'll break it all down for you. Chris Franklin first, Les Bowen a little later, right here on Birds 365. fans were cut from a different cloth born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life we believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible while we may be from different neighborhoods come sunday we are one and we will be heard Pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Hi everybody, my name's Jason Lombardi, I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. My name is uh, Fran Soleno, and I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget.
Back and back, guys, here with you on Birds 365, McMullen, McDonald, and McFranklin. We'll bring them into the Mac and Mac Club for us today. Our hey. Franklin from NJ.com jumping on board with us. Glad you made it back from Arizona safe and sound. Uh, Johnny Mac says, tough sledding for all you guys. But you're back here in the Delaware Valley. That's all that matters. Here's where I want to start with you today, Chris. Since way too much of what we talk about these days has to involve gambling um, and Guilty as charged. Uh, I got my uh, wagers that I put in on the Super Bowl and lost money because most of them were tied to the Eagles winning the game. Um, what kind of odds would you have needed to bet on Harrison Butker missing that 27-yard field goal at the end of the game that he could go doink off the upright again? <laughs> How heavy would the odds have been needed for you to go, yeah, the Eagles are going to dodge his foot here. He's going to miss a 27-yarder. I think for me, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the office. So when they said, uh, t- when, if it had to be 10,000 to one odds, I needed to see 10,000 once. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, then he gets that one too. Then he'll go that. But otherwise, it's like Harrison yes. Butker. That'd be a Blair Walsh. <laughs> but the Blair Walsh, well, that was about a 27 yards, somewhere in that range. Uh, but that was really bad weather. So yeah, the Eagles were in trouble. Um, well, I guess we'll start with the game since we, we got to get that out of the way. Um, fourth and three. That was the first question. Uh, Nick got. I didn't have an, I didn't even think about it. I'm, I like Nick's explanation. Like Bob Lang had to, uh, you know, make him aware that that question was probably coming. He would have had to have made me aware if people were, if people were advising me on verse 365. Like, why is this an issue? Just, just because of the results? Because you can't go board on fourth and three at your own 32 in the Super Bowl. And this is one of the most aggressive teams. He said 32 out of 32 NFL coaches would have punted that football. I agree with him. I was, yeah, I would, between that fourth and three, the things I heard between a fourth and three and also kicking a field goal instead of trying to go for it down late when you're late, you kick a field goal instead of trying to go that, for fourth it. and six, by Two, the way. Yeah. It's from the, like those, I'm like, nah, you, you can't do that because even though, this team, it, the field position, and then you just giving them. Nah, this I just don't get why. Why? Because they, they gave them do that field period. position because they can't cover a punt. Well, Aaron Sipas is a bad punt, but that's hindsight. Obviously, you're not going to. Oh, we're going to give up a 65 yard punt return. Well, yeah, if yeah. you give me that information, yeah, I'll try to go for it. Might as well. Yeah, I, I I think it's a lot going now that because of the result that we've seen happen because they lost because we're sitting here now for I don't know was it February so five months five months before you see training camp five six months before you see training camp and it's just going to sit there and like all right we need to find something where this is the what ifs things and I, I neither situation I think you I have no problem with either situation and they did have decided. To, to, to punt and, and we did there is uh, I don't know <laughs> I wish I knew like I sounds like 35 by the 35 we can add uh, Jody Mack me Chris Frank there you go and I don't even have the analytics I don't even have the analytics we went off on a uh, punting jag the coach was asked yesterday about Michael Clay's status definitive or defensive because there was no doubt left. It wasn't Hammond and Horn or Hedgen. He basically came out and declared that Michael Clay is in good stead after having what I would suggest would be back-to-back 
poor years as a uh, special teams coach or the performance of his special teams have been poor. What did you make of the, the definitiveness that the coach uh, used in describing Michael Clay and his uh, special team status? I was a little shocked, honestly. I, I, I know coaches, head coaches, they, they, they value their assistants almost like the kids or, or other family mix and family members. And Mike even Brown, though Carson Walsh, yeah. yeah, like that way too. And the next thing you know, a couple of days later, yeah, they're going like, wait, what? And even though it's fire from my head of Doug and all that stuff. But yeah, I just don't see, I probably would have hit, I wouldn't have been in that definitive. I still, I may use back channels to just ask around, probably would have gotten back to Michael. It probably would have. But at the same time, it's like realizing, hey, you know what? This is your last, even if it didn't go with another guy, this is your last chance. You have to show, continue to show steady improvement. Because if not, you have to move forward. And, Earlier this year, did they improve? Yeah, they did improve over the course of the year. But it was they they went from the third, especially PFF. I think they went from thirty-two all the way up to twenty-nine, which is yeah. <laughs> but when you look at the when you look at the coverage teams, I know they had a lot of young guys. You guys like yeah, like Chiron, Johnson, you had Ellis, you had, you had all those other younger guys that are still part of the team, and they grew into the roles. But here again, like, are you going to use are a lot of those guys still going to be back next year? Because you're going to have a new crop of rookies coming in and. And teams gonna look different as well too. So I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't have been as steadfast as I was when it came to that. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend Michael Clay, and and, and here's why I'm gonna defend Michael Clay. One, uh, he's a nice guy, but um, yeah, even even more so. And you know, I can't judge him as a coach, but I do know from watching this team over the years, they they placed a lot at one time they placed a lot of emphasis on special teams and i always bring up chris marigos who by the way is a rich man oh, yeah. at, that, <laughs> at least that, that settlement holds up um brian brayman people bring up a lot players like that um you know in the dave pip era they always seem to keep one or two slots for you know really good special teams players but if they have to play defense or or offense, you're going to be in trouble. Um, but they understood the value of special teams, and and even going back to Super Bowl Fifty Two, you know when we said, all right, who's the better team? One of the, one of the big advantages is Super Bowl Fifty Two versus Super Bowl Fifty Seven. They had Donnie Jones, who at the end of his career, but man, that guy was you know, that guy knew how to punt. Uh, knew what to do. You're not going to have, you know, coverage going one way and the punt going the other way with Donnie Jones. Um, <laughs> they they value now. One with how, Howie Roseman deserves all the flowers for put, putting together this roster. Did a phenomenal job, but you know he 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 went with young players on special teams. You know your gunners are Zach McPherson and Josh Job. Your punt returners. Britton Kobe, they didn't get a kickoff returner. Boston did a nice job after they realized Quez can do it again. And 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 Britton didn't have the long speed. And then you have Aaron Sipas, a young punter who they're trying to turn into, you know, they should have kept Cam Johnston. The the one part we always talk about personnel, personnel, personnel of this team, and everyone says Johnson Gannon stinks, it's all the personnel. Well, then you can't say Michael Clay stinks. Because he didn't have the personnel. See, part of me thinks that they 
in order to get some of those free agents that they did, they had to sacrifice somewhere. Yeah. So you had to use a lot of that, that younger talent and able to do that. And I think when you look at some of these, look at some of these guys, the one thing that you looked at billing was Kyron Johnson was built as this guy who was going to be a great special teamer when he came in and draft. So you banked on that. The latter part of the year, you lost Sean Bradley with a wrist injury. He was part of that core special teams when you had that. And you look at some of those other uh, re Blankenship, when he started playing more defense, you didn't use him as much as you did there. So you start, and it's, it's, it's like, it's inverted. Like, you didn't have as many pieces, and then the coverage got better. But the one thing that I think every, the one area I think everybody kept saying there was a concern even going into the season was Aaron Sipos, and I didn't address that at all. And as one of those things where you, you it's a joke, but you kind of do wonder now. Is they, they were trying to work, they were working Sipos back and they were trying to work him back and, and you finally activate him. But I wonder how he was obviously rusty. He hasn't, he hasn't done the game stuff. Should they have gone with Brett Kern? Because he, at least he was in the flow. He yeah, they should have. And in, in hindsight, they should have yeah. went with, with Brett Kern. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They're probably kicking themselves a little bit. But you bring up some of those names and you're right with Sean. Uh, Sean Bradley's one of their better. Uh, special teams player getting getting injured, um, and and who else did you mention? I forget. Uh, Chiron, he was Chiron, Chiron yeah. as a rookie. Um, but again, Chris Maragos, you know, he was in the conversation for five years for being the best special teams player in the NFL. They don't have that guy, and they used to make it their business to try to find that guy, even when they had Rudy Ford when he was healthy. Rudy Ford was phenomenal. He's one of the best gunners I've ever seen. And he actually played pretty well at safety for the Packers this season. But let, yeah, he let was me always hurt. Let me take a shot at defending Howie on this. Who is the Chris Maragos in the National Football League today, John? Um, yeah, that's Howie's job. Yeah, I understand oh. what you're saying. Um because but there are better it, it, guys. It's a league wide thing. It's kind of like relief pitching in baseball. Over time, it just became we're now going to use a 13-man staff rather than a 10-man staff. We're not going to have starters pitching into the ninth inning. Well, guess what? We don't have room on our roster for specialized special team players because we need six backup defensive tackles. That there has been an emphasis switched in the uh, same roster size. They haven't added uh, roster space. That you need those situational substitution guys to be able to go into the games so therefore, they just don't have room for a superstar. Special yeah, but they used guy. to make room. That's what I'm saying. They used to make room. They but used the to be one of those teams. The philosophy of roster building in the National Football League has changed, John. They when did the Eagles ever have uh, seven defensive tackles up on a given Sunday? They just don't, and now they do because that's what they like. They like to have the uh, just continually changing guys on the defensive line, and that takes away from a uh, super special teams guy. I think a lot of you guys. Can, you can disagree with the philosophy, but that's what their philosophy was this year. I think a lot of times too, they're, when they look at it, they're hoping that a lot of these younger athletic guys are trying to develop, at least try to get them some things. And I think, I think that maybe that's the thing. Maybe when you look at some of these, the, the athleticism, of some of these guys, when you look at the quick speed, some of these guys and decision making, maybe you got to burn like a, a one of those comp picks they may have fourth, fifth round on a guy who you think, who you know is going to take about two or three years to develop into a potential starter, a reliable starter, but you say, hey, you know what? He's because this guy could be something like, not ca- not calling the person like he had to get like Trotter, but like remember he sit that first year when he's at CFF Austin, maybe you get a guy who you see potential in him who can really be that because we, like, we, I think we all agree we 
that Nicobe Dean's not going to be a special teamer his whole entire time during his his uh his tenure here. Maybe you get a guy like that to try to develop into that at least so you have that so on a cheap or or a cheap contract that you can just use in there and throw in there. Hey, you know what? Yeah, this I, is our I guy. Don't, I don't know if stuff. anybody's a special teams expert to be honest, because everybody kind of just uh uh, but those guys should be, and they know because they've done it before. Uh, and I think I think what you're saying, Jody, I think it's got more to do with the money. Like if you have somebody like Maragos who's playing for seven, eight years, you're up to two, three million dollars. You got to pay that guy significant money when you start talking. Whereas you got to pay Kyron Johnson uh, a rookie deal, and you say. But one thing, if you remember, way back in training camp, and we're getting too deep in the weeds on special teams. <laughs> but what the hell? We're, it's the off season. First 365. Remember, Michael said there's so much difference between special teams in the NFL and college. So just because you were a good special teams player in college doesn't mean it's going to translate. And he was kind of sh- shitting on Kyron a little bit because he wasn't ready. Um, I don't know, man. I think they're going to learn from that mistake because they, when, when, when FIP and Chip were here, and then FIP obviously stayed, they paid more attention to special teams. That's why I'm defending uh, Michael Clay a little bit, because I just didn't think they had the personnel. Uh, and hey. I'll stick to my – the way <laughs> rosters have been built in the National Football League has changed, and it's a tougher job. Maybe that's why they're defending Michael Clay because they know it's a tougher job because they're not allocating resources the way that they used to. But I don't see how he's changing and saying, yeah, let me get two specific guys and uh, they're all I'm going to expect them to do is uh, to play special teams. All right, special teams aside, uh, the Eagles came up short in the Super Bowl. They lost to a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame quarterback. But the defense didn't get the job done in the second half. And despite that the fact Jonathan Gannon got a job as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And I took some calls on Monday and Tuesday night about him slinking out of town and not facing the music here in Philadelphia. Well, he talked about Philly, talked up Philly a lot yesterday in his uh, press conference uh, as the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Last game, Jonathan Gannon's defense here in Philadelphia. About what you expected, major letdown, the... He uh, was again, uh, Sirianni said yesterday on one of those two touchdowns uh, down by the goal line. Yeah, no execution. In other words, players fault. We had him in the right place. The player just made a mistake. The other one said that they got uh, out uh, schemed by Andy Reid. How would you describe the Eagles defense in the Super Bowl, Chris? Well, I, I probably put 60% of the blame on Gannon. And I probably put 40% of the blame on players. I think it was when you look at some of the, some of the, calls at certain times like i'm a proponent i have no problem with you blitzing with you blitzing mahomes at certain points i don't think you need to send seven i think i think you could have gotten home with six a couple times but you saw what happened just wide open and then waltz in for a touchdown i think a lot also i look at some of the adjustments they were trying to do when he saw they were trying to use the run a little bit more i thought i probably would have maybe played Linval joseph a little bit more instead of jordan davis because I mean, just overall, that interior defensive line didn't play as best. The defensive line obviously didn't play well because they had zero sacks. And I know some guys say we're slipping and everything, but when you look at overall interior line play, there's too many times they're running themselves out or twisting themselves out of position. 
and then they got so many yards in the middle, the middle, in the middle of the field. So I do see the, uh, the game plan for me a little bit. I I wasn't the biggest fan of, but then I still think a lot some of those players they they could have played a little bit better as well too. And I know saying, well, we felt like we were playing a winter class. It looked like they were playing a winter classic all of a sudden in Arizona, but it didn't. It, it still should have made some adjustments in that aspect too. But by the way, yeah, props I, to uh, Howie Roseman for not even going down that road. He got asked the question about the field, and he all he said was both teams played on the same field. Yeah. He said it twice. twice. So I give him credit for that. Now maybe because he's going to get fined, I don't know, but. Um, I like the fact that he said that. Um, Yeah, here's one thing, and I'm I'm sure you saw this, Chris. I don't know if you saw it, Jody, but NFL Films put up the Sky Moore touchdown, and everybody was a bunch of guys (laughs) were mic'd up. And he didn't out-scheme anybody because they didn't run the stinking play correctly. Uh, They were completely Keystone Cops, wrong formation, Patrick Mahomes was able to save it uh, and get Sky Moore going in the proper direction. So that's why I'm not blaming that. Now, I think what you said, which is ironic because of all the fans uh, crapping on JG, didn't change, doesn't do adjustments. I think the exact opposite. Why the hell is he blitzing what he doesn't blitz all year? Why is he playing so much man coverage what he doesn't play man coverage all year? And then you get guys blowing their 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 responsibilities. That's the problem I have with with JG. What the hell? Why why you talk all your oh everything's the same, nothing changes. Everything changed. Why? I think it's one of the things where you had you you knew you had Andy Reid was going to study that defense for two weeks, and you know that we all know how Andy does when he has extra time to look and prepare for a team. So you had to throw something at him that he wasn't going to be expecting, and we know again it was mostly passive. Even though the Eagles were about I think it was like they ranked 16th, 16th or seventeenth, something like that, in amount of blitzes this year, it still wasn't along like say the Cardinals or the Giants where they were yeah. blitzing like hey. It's a snap. Send, send everybody there. But he's like, hey, you know what? He's probably thinking I'm going to sit down and be passive and even from the tape from last year. So he figured, why not just do it again? So I don't blame him for that aspect. I think most of the guys, I think Slay and some of the other guys are better man cover guys in zone. They do, I think they prefer playing man a little bit more. So, yeah, I got no problem with that. Well, I just didn't I, think I, the I, timing Slay, of some of those was like, huh? And Slay's yeah. a great press coverage corner when he's covering the guy he's supposed to cover. Right. When he's not, not so good. Um, and James, we all know, is a better zone corner. So, I, you know, I don't know. You, you, you go 16-1 and one with the quarterback up to that point. I'm not changing a lot, but that's me. And yeah, they change too much. The quarterback's on offense. I, I'm with Chris on this one. You needed to throw some wrinkles in there for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Blitz, I don't know if that's where I would gone because Mahomes is the best against the Blitz quarterback in the National Football League, but man-to-man on the outside. And, yeah, I think the corners kind of let him down a little mm-hmm. bit. All right, staying with the defense moving forward. Yesterday, Nick Sirianni said he's open-minded to potentially changing some things on scheme. He has his core values, and that's going to stay the same, but they're not married to just – Hiring someone or advancing someone within the staff who is just going to keep the defense in place the way that it is right now. 
you buying what he was selling that he's open-minded to change or do you think he was just saying that yesterday because they're not ready to hire someone defensively and they've got to keep an open mind at least as with a public face on it i think they're trying i think it's a good way to try to see what other defensive coordinators are doing I think I think it's I think both coordinator spots are going to be in house. I think Denar Wilson's going to wind up being the guy when all is said and done. But I think when you look at it, it's a chance to see what other defenses are doing. You bring in Vance Joseph, see what man schemes he's using, see what blitzes he's using. Put it on tape, maybe he record that interview and say, "Hey, for say, okay, we know we got this. We build the book for what he does this way, and, and just continue to bring other guys and just see that." But I think it's. Uh, uh, and for theirs, I hope it's the reason why I asked like what the timeline is because I think they have to get something sooner than later because you got the combine coming up and you need to find you you want to have your defensive coordinators input in that room when you're asking these prospects questions about scheme yeah. and so they can get yeah. a, a good thing to do it. So I don't think it's going to be. I think they're. I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if they rush. Like, like it's thorough in the sense that they got like and then I keep bringing up Jamal Singleton example nine times since I so I guess see like in the next week they get bring it like talk to like nine ten guys but they finally decide like hey you know what yeah denard's our guy or maybe even nick rallis but uh i, I just think it's just trending more to denard but it's just a chance to go and see what everybody around the league's doing defensively and and pick brains and do that i, I i'd do that if i was in trying to collect yeah it sure it sure sounded like chris by the way nick was talking I think he said in-house like three, four times. I mean, we all kind of know Brian Johnson's going to be the offensive coordinator, but I think the DC is a little bit more uh, uncertainty at least, but it sure looks like, you know, we're up to Nick, it'd be Denard Wilson. So if it's not Denard Wilson, does that tell us, you know, how we and Jeffrey are getting involved? I wouldn't put it past it. I, I wouldn't put it past it, but I think especially when they added, though, they gave Denard more responsibility. I think it was a little thing to say, hey, let's see how he handles it. And we saw the past defense had – it was the best in the league. I don't know. Uh, I really don't. I, I think it might be one of those things where they, they, they actually trust Nick a little bit more, personally. I think maybe let him still do his staff, like do most of his staff and, and have say over that. I think he's proven that that way. I mean, you could say that Doug proved it that way. So he went in the Super Bowl. We're doing that, but you would think, and uh, for it, but I, I don't know. See, I think I don't think it's going to go unless it's somebody who's connected. And, and I got to go down deep in the weeds when looking like see who's agents who and who owes a favor, or whatever. But because Vance Joseph, let's be because he's the first name that's been floated. But Vance is a heck of a lot sexier than Denard Wilson. So do they but fall a, for that see, trap? That's why I that's why I asked the question uh, the way I did. He Nick did say he's open-minded to changing the way that the Eagles play defense. And Vance Joseph is much more well-known for blitzing and man-to-man coverage, which the Eagle didn't do a lot of this year. So do you buy it, or do you think that was just window dressing? I think it's see far as window dressing. Also, I thought as well too that he said that you know he was when it comes to not giving up big plays and explosives and everything else like that. And when you go man to man, you blitz and you get the right quarterback to know like if you get Mahomes to do that or you get somebody else, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get burnt that way too. And next thing you know, you're looking back and you see a receiver running 30, 40 yards, continuing to run down a field. So I, I think the blitz just opens you up more than that. So I think I think you'll see somebody who's more apt to playing those cover three. Zone the cover three to cover four is just make you methodically go down the field. So that's why I think the Joseph one. I mean, I can be completely wrong, but that's why I'm like the Joseph one. I'm like, eh, yeah, I don't know about that. 
Yeah. Just forgive off well of what they what they were saying and everything else. Yeah. One one more coordinator higher question. At least this is my perception, and if I'm wrong, please both you guys who know better than me uh, correct me. Part of the advancement of their offense coordinator Brian Johnson is if you don't hire him, somebody else is gonna. If you don't make him an offensive coordinator, someone else is. He's already gone out and interviewed for other offensive coordinator jobs. So you're not only not giving the guy the job, but you're losing him too because he's walking out the door. Is that the same with Denard Wilson with Jonathan Gannon, who went so far as to call Wilson his right-hand man? Now we know Vance Joseph, it's kind of uh, inbred here, uh, is the D.C. in Arizona as of right now, but they could move on from him very easily if that's what Gannon wanted. Would he hire Wilson as his defensive coordinator if the Eagles don't elevate him? Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that as well, too, because Denard, I think with the Cleveland Brown, he's, his name is starting to get out there a little bit more. He's starting to get more and more cash in as well, yeah. too, and I think he's people are really starting to see, like, hey, you know, especially – when you have the numbers that they did, granted, you could say it was either the secondary, you could say it's a pass rush, what have you. When you have the numbers that they did allow against the pass and the way the success they had on defense this year, you start to look at that whole entire staff and say, okay, what can I bring those elements in there? Who's a young guy? Who can command respect for the players to bring in? And so, yeah, I think you can see him going out there. I, I think a lot of the other ones do that. Pretty much, I think that's the only spot I think he can go. He can go out there, at least this cycle now, with all most of them being filled and everything else. But, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, between him, I can see him. You lose that one. I'm also wondering if you lose Patulo. I don't. I don't know. I think he's going to be a hot yeah. name eventually. That one too. I, so you're going to lose know, a lot of people off of the staff. It's interesting, and I I have no proof of this, but you know, Nick joked, you know, earlier when we talked with him um, that can't have anybody. You know, when we asked him about JG potentially leaving, Shane potentially leaving. And taking coaches, he, he said, he told him, you can't have anybody. I do think there's a, a you know, sort of personal relationship where you say, all right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to push it. Um, and the Cardinals are interviewing Gabe Borgonzi uh, for their defensive coordinator job. And he worked uh, with Gannon in Indy uh, and he's, interviewing Drew Petzig uh, to be the offensive coordinator who worked with him in Minnesota. So I I think there's like a wink-wink between Gannon and Steichen and the Eagles and saying, eh, maybe they'll give him one. Maybe they'll give Gannon, Nick Rollis. You know, Petulo's a little bit different because you can't block a guy from being a coordinator anymore. You used to be able to block guys, but um, – so maybe Patula, but I don't, I don't think we're going to see those two guys pilfer the Eagles coaching staff. I think they have too much respect for Nick, and I, I think they said, all right, maybe we'll give you one. I think so too, but I, I kind of am selfish now. I want to see so, if somebody takes that, what's going to happen at the uh, league meetings when you see the picture, the coach's picture, and they stand next to each other. There's one trying to punch in the other. And then the <laughs> rib is like that. They're like – Thanks for taking on. I told you not to take on. I just kind of want to see that when it happens way, personally. But. That, you know, <laughs> JG, I, most of us, I don't know, most of us, everybody around the league, I mean, you heard the whispers in Phoenix, Chris. You know, he was getting the Arizona job, unless Bill Bidwell came in and uh, blew everything up, which is uh, always a possibility. But, um, JG went up there yesterday and said, oh, I didn't know until after the game and how he told me Arizona wanted. 
why do these coaches go down this route with that nonsense? It it it, it gets off on a bad foot. No, I saw they like I saw I was in the when in the locker room they were both walking out they like you're fine because that's when I heard that I was like unless he was like unless how he's like some gangster that we don't know say you're gonna go out there and you're gonna smile when you're walking out and you're act yeah. like everything's okay and then that one too not they were walking out fine when I when I saw on that one too so I'm like if somebody told me yeah you're gonna take this job um, I don't know maybe it was one of those things where he said hey I got a request from the Cardinals to speak for you to speak from that way too I could see that but the whole well, I didn't know until well, this one. The whole yeah. league knew he was getting the yeah. job, but JG didn't know. Yeah, yeah it is. Just, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Let, let me bring it back to Howie. You yesterday, John said, look depressed up there on the uh, riser. Uh, not a bad way. I said he looked scarred. It was probably a combination of those two. He's got to start to line his dominoes up. And he was asked all the prerequisite questions. He didn't give great answers. He didn't have to give great answers. He could just uh, say, we will be proceeding and the like. The first thing has to be Jalen Hurts, right? Before anything else, you need to put it there. There needs to be a domino effect. And the first domino has got to fall. It's got to be the biggest domino of all. And that's Jalen Hurts. Free agency is like uh, second week of March. March 13th, I think, is... Legal tampering day, the most annoying phrase in the National Football League. <laughs> um, but that's when it kicks in. They're going to get something done before March 13th? I think so. I mean, yeah, legal tampering day is really a combine when that starts. But that's all. Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. Illegal uh, tampering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So they just happen to run into, like, to say yeah. the cafe where it bagels and stuff. Yeah. But I think they get something done earlier than later because you have to know how much money you're going to spend for a lot of these guys. Like, they can, I know they can free up space with, like, say, if they restructure Darius and or Slay. Yeah, he punched me for that. No, uh-huh. But, yeah, this comes heavy. But, nah, when you restructure Slay and everybody else like that, and you add more room. But they need to – you can do all those other moves. But until you know how much you're spending, how you're structuring that Hurts deal, you get – then that's when you can start to say, okay, I can resign this guy for – and restructure this guy deal and stuff like that. You have to have that signed. I think they will get something signed because it's not – the only thing I can think that would hold it up and, and, and is, if, is if the Hurts camp wants to see if Lamar Jackson's deal gets done before that, because that said that as a, yeah, well, a, they, a they, they, You got Joe Burrow. You got Justin Herbert. They yep. better work fast uh, yep. if they can. At C. Franklin News, um, the great Chris Franklin, read him at NJ.com, um, Lehigh Valley Live, Tanja Trent, and he's all over the place. Um, I'll leave you with this. Um for those paying attention, Howie did give you one little trickle of information. They're going to get some comp picks in 2024 because they're going to lose some free agents because they got too many. Uh, they got to pay Jalen. Um, who's most likely to go amongst the potential free agents? Hmm. Bradbury. And I say that because even though I think they want them back because we know they're their affinity for the, for the shell of and it shell, I mean, the defensive line corners and the safeties and then linebackers inside. I think they want to back, but I think somebody's just going to back up the Brinks truck and say, Hey, you know what? Hey, we want you here. Cause it's, it's we, we all seen this Could league. Be Arizona, by the way. Could be Arizona. <laughs> hey, you love zone. Hey, you play zone. I love zone. Hey, come here. Thanks. Yeah. But, but I think when you look at the, uh, the, an all pro, a guy who, who I think, I think, 
some teams will find it endearing the way he ended the season uh, when he came talking to him in the locker room. They'll probably say he's a stand-up guy as well, too. I think we got those traits as well, too, that he brings to the field. I think that he's the one – I think he's, if not the top corner, the, the second corner that, that has taken and has signed relatively quickly on that one, too. So I think he's the first one that's gone. I think the Eagles are going to be back in the in the pool trying to find another corner. I, I Personally, I would love to see them draft one. So that way you don't have to be in this every year and trying to hope you pick up the one veteran that you hope to just pair up with them. Because it's not every time you get – it's not every year you get a Bradbury. Most of the time we're not. You get Steven Nelson, guys like Steven Nelson or something like that. I know Patrick Peterson's out there. Yeah. Maybe you bring him in, but it's – I think Bradbury is – You're going to hear a lot of Zach McPherson, uh, Josh Job talk. Uh, at the no, no, Kerry Vincent? No, now, that, Car- well, Gary's in the that, that ship has sailed. Is that Gary's in the XFL right now, so he can get. I want that. Joey Porter. Ju- I want the team to draft if they can, if he's still available without having to move up. I want Joey Joey Porter Jr. Cam Smith. I think that will be. Yeah, remember they have two first round too. picks, so that's should be two starters if you do it right. Uh, All right, last thing for me, Chris. Um, and again, sorry, Eagle fans, but this is I think going to happen. Uh, call it what you want. The tush push, the double cheek push, I think after the NFL decides to redo their rules during this ah, offseason. It's done. Competition I've been predicting that for months, Jody. It is over. No I, more tush push moving I, forward. I think it should be called Hurts Too Good, with all apologies to John Mellencamp. Uh, it's the Eagles is the reason why they're going to take a rule that they allowed into the league 17 years ago and go back and go, yeah, we don't like that whole pushing thing. It's going to be because of the Eagles' success and Jalen Hurts' ability to just move a pile. How big a price are the Eagles going to pay for that? How big that's, it was a pretty damn important piece of their whole puzzle offensively this year. How bad are the Eagles going to get hurt if they decide to do away with the ability to push a guy from behind? I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think he can do other things. I think he can motion them out. And when you motion them out, I think you can just, you can do different formational things and still have the same success in order to do that. So I'm not so worried about that as much. I think it's just I don't get why they're going to outlaw it. I get, I can see the part where – you you worry about you had guys like God or anything just basically picking him up and like almost like body slamming him over the goal line to make sure that he got in there, or that you guys like basically or, or like the offensive line and basically picking him up and trying to push him forward that way. But I, I don't understand the thing. I wish I know the competition committee is the one that are probably going to make put it forth. I wish they kept quiet, they stayed out, and you saw the teams try to put what teams actually put the resolution to say, hey, you know what, let's outlaw that because I I think it adds add to the field fire if you had a team like the Forty Nine ers Oh, the, the, the Cowboys or the 49ers come out saying, yeah. no, you can't do that. And it's like, that just adds a little bit more to the fire on it. <laughs> whoever uh, decided that this was, and uh, like John said, both he and I, this isn't something that just came out of the blue. Oh, maybe we should do away with it. No, it's been quite obvious that was uh, a loophole in the rules that certain teams were taking advantage of, no one more so than the Philadelphia Eagles. It was going to, at some point, they had to say, no, that this has gotten away from what we want football to be about. So it was going to happen. It doesn't matter who opted for it, who was a defendant of it. It was coming out. And I think we will see that this offseason. Speaking of offseason, we're going to continue to tap into you, if that's okay, brother. You got, uh, I know you're going to go on an extended vacation like Aaron Rodgers into the darkness somewhere. Are you doing a darkness (laughs) retreat? Chris, yeah. 
I, I don't have any shrooms. I don't have any acid or anything. <laughs> to here. No, I'm working for. Uh, I'm working well, every day. No, well, then that, we're no. gonna. We're gonna keep, if you're keeping working, we're keeping calling. We're gonna stream you up plenty during the off season. Thanks for coming on as regularly as you did during the season. Appreciate it, bud. Hey guys, it was a pre- I appreciate the invite. It was always great talking to you guys. Thank you very much. Uh, no shrooms here. I'm sorry. I, L- FBI, I have no shrooms or acid. I don't have any of that stuff. Just said it. Sorry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I lost it. No, no shrooms, Franklin. That's what we're going to call you from now going forward. Chris Franklin here with us on Birds 365. All right. He's Johnny Mac. I'm Jody Mac. That makes us back and back. Birds 365. Uh, Les Bowen's going to join us, shoot, now in less than uh, 20 minutes. So you want to stay tuned for more Birds 365. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to ocean. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at Drytech. At Drytech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs, and then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give Drytech a call or check us out online. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky Statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow po- Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, that's, I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Got your Mega Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Day after we heard from both the head coach and the general manager after the disappointing slash crushing loss against the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And yeah, Howie Roseman looked crushed yesterday. He really did. He really did. He you really, know him. Really you, you have noted here, as have I, uh, that Howie actually features himself as a bit of a jokester a comedian uh, he thinks oh, there were no no jokes yeah he thinks he's funnier than he actually is uh and nary an attempt at a joke yesterday I, I, not even a smile out of howie uh yesterday he was all business and all almost dour business as a matter of fact i'm okay with that and i would think most eagle fans are okay with that because again we get our our basis of what we think the fan base is feeling and thinking and the like here on our stream on birds 365 appreciate all you guys who do stream and during the show i do on my uh phone lines on wip through our social media and the like it seems like eagle nation is having a tough time getting over this one seems like their general manager is having a tough time getting over this one and as you noted earlier, Nick Sirianni has to be the optimistic guy that he is. And he was surely the optimistic of the two sitting up there on the stage yesterday. He he looks like he's already gotten to a point of acceptance. I think Eagle fans will actually appreciate the way Howie Roseman uh, seemed to still be in pain yeah, over yeah. that loss yesterday, John. Well, you know, they're fickle. They like Howie now, but, it, you know, it's not too long ago where he was, you know, Jonathan Gannon level of hate. Uh, so he knows, um, you know, better than most, um, how difficult it's going to be to replicate this performance, to be honest. Um, uh, and that's, I've been talking about it for a while. This is, this was a golden opportunity. I still say they were the better team. You and I disagree a little bit on that. I still say they were the better team, uh, than Kansas city. Um, and that, to me, makes it more, from a personal standpoint, that, to me, makes it more disappointing because I think they think they were the better team um, and they didn't find a way to win the game. And they, you know, 24 to 14, I forget, I saw it somewhere. You might, you might have seen it. Uh, there have not been many teams, Atlanta uh, being the obvious one, that have had that kind of lead going into the second half. They're the, the only team. Super Bowls. Uh, the oh, Super they're Bowl. the only team, wasn't Yeah, it? there's been one team, now two, that have blown a 10-point uh, or more lead in uh, after halftime. Eagles yeah. are only so, the second one. I mean, they, you know, it was all – and they dominated that first half. They dom- I think I got lost in the sauce because the second half was so poor. You know, everyone's like, they're terrible, they're terrible. They dominated the first half of that game to the point, I freely admit, I thought the game was over. 
I said, well, Kansas City can't compete with this team. That's where I was at halftime. I thought it was over. Um, it was a golden opportunity, and they didn't cash in, and I think that explains the, whether you want to call it depression or, or you know, whatever you want to call Howie's mood. I, I think that's his belief. Yeah, I'm more of a results-based guy. When the game's been played, unless there was some unbelievable lucky bounce, the two plays, team fight for 60 minutes, one beats the other, then I can't come out and go, yeah, but the team that lost was better. And no, if you play the game. Happens all the and- time, Jody. Happens all the time. That, it, 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 you know, we talked about that earlier in the week. There's, you know, clear, I mean, there's obvious ones like the Patriots losing to the Giants, more obvious ones, but uh, upsets happen every week. I did, but, you know, because uh, I was very interested. Yeah, but the Eagles were a point and a half favorite, John. Uh, no, yeah. I know. It's all, much closer. This, I said, I said this there's an more. upset would be a little bit of a stretch. I said there's more obvious ones. There's more, uh, and that's why I bring up the Patriots all the time, which is pretty obvious that they were a better team than the Giants. One game, they weren't. And that's the only game that mattered. Um so I was very interested to to go um, to the the PFF grades. You know, not that they're the be all end all, but I I thought that they were going to grade the Eagles better than the Chiefs in the game, and they did. You know, so they looked at the film, they looked at each individual play, and they graded the Eagles higher. Throughout, up and down, both sides of the football. Obviously, Jalen Hurts played a tremendous game. Patrick, you know, Jalen Hurts had the highest grade. You were talking to Brad, Brad Spielberger. You told me that. I didn't know that. Had the highest grade in Super Bowl history. Now, they've only been doing it for... rating. Yes. They've only been doing it um, for how long? Oh, I thought you meant the pro football focus grade. No, the pro football focus, but I'm saying just purely from a passer standpoint, because... That takes the fumble out of the equation. Gotcha. Uh, and, well, and I, I got to tell you. That's what I'm getting at, John. Uh, if you're going to use pro football focus, does, uh, you're not factoring in a fumble, pickup, scoop, oh, and they, score. That's they just factor one point, that in. But it had a massive effect on the outcome of the game. I'm, I'm guessing Kansas City, I have not looked at the uh, ratings and rankings the way you have. Kansas City won the special teams uh, matchup between the two, right? Immediately to a touchdown is bigger than just one play. No, I, 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 look, the game, they lost the game. I mean, there's no debate over that. The Kansas City Chiefs are the world champions. I mean, there's I'm not debating that. I'm saying that that I'm 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 trying to look at him. 76.7 was the, the over o, overall film grade for the Eagles. Um 70.5 for the Chiefs. So you have the 13 different categories. Offensively, obviously, the, the not obviously because the Chiefs were pretty good in the second half. Uh, offensively, the, the Eagles got an 81.2. Chiefs got a 75.9. Passing, Jalen Hurts had the phenomenal game, 92.9. 92.9. Passing, 80.8 for the Chiefs. Um, Pass blocking, 
Uh, Eagles much better receiving. Um, Eagles were better um, running. Uh, Chiefs were obviously better. Uh, run blocking was close, but the Chiefs were better. Um, defensively, obviously, the Chiefs were better, but just barely. Both teams were terrible. 60.9, 59.7 for the Eagles. Uh, run defense, uh, the Eagles were somehow better, which was probably the one you can disagree with the most. Tackling, um, the Eagles were better. Um, pass rushing, 64.1 to 53.7. The Chiefs won that. And think about that score. That's a disastrous, not score, film grade. That is a disastrous film grade for what had been the best pass rushing team in the NFL. Correct. And obviously special teams, uh, the Chiefs were better. Um, you know, I, they were they were the better team. I'm just saying that's my belief. Obviously, you that's my belief. That's certainly Howie Roseman's belief. That's the belief in the Novacare complex. Now, the Chiefs won the football game. But I'm saying that is why I think you see the – the incredible angst about the missed opportunity because they think they believe. And I agree with them. I freely admit that they were the better football team, but they didn't win the game. Right. And that's kind of the only thing that uh, matters. You can throw your fist up and go, Hey, we believe we were the better football team. We're not having a parade, but we believe we're the better football. Who the hell cares? What does oh, that yeah. get you? That's fair. Now that's 20 fair. more minutes of sleep at night. That's, that's not fair. Cut it. That's fair. But I'm saying, if you, if, if, you know, coaches are looking at the film and saying, Jesus Christ, we, we did this better. We did this better. We did this better. And we didn't win the football game. That drives you nuts. That drives you nuts. Understood. But reverting back to the head coach, and he said it again yesterday, in talking about if they were to go in a different direction with the defensive quarter, core philosophies, core beliefs, turnovers, big plays. Those are the two things. Nick Sirianni holds near and dear to his heart, turnovers and big plays. Two massive ones in a game, and they both went against the Eagles. The Jalen Hurts fumble, the 65-yard punt return. Now, punt return isn't quote-unquote a chunk offensive play, but it's a chunk play. It's no, a it's huge a, yeah. play, and they blew That's both the of those. So they can't be in, too shocked that they lost the game when the two biggest plays both blew up in their face. No, they're not. I mean, if he said it once, he said it 20 times this year. Uh, between Nick Sirianni, adding Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen, for people paying attention, they say it all the time. Turnovers, explosive plays. You win those two battles, you win the football game. They lost the turnover battle. They won. They won the explosive play battle, but it doesn't matter because it was even enough. You know, as I said, I, I said yesterday on the show. If I if I gave everybody watching this show right now, uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for 182 yards. His longest pass play is going to be 22 yards. Every single one of them would have taken that. Mm. Every single one of them would have taken that. But they didn't win both categories. I mean, and 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 the worst part is, you know, Jalen Hurts was 16-1 and one as a starter coming into that game. He played his best game, his best game of the year. 
and I'm not exaggerating. No. He was unbelievable. And he had the one turnover. And he had the one turn, which is so uncharacteristic. He's taking care of the football um, so well this season. And it's not only a turnover. It's it's six going the other way. Um, it's a disaster. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes he plays at that level. He never turns the football over. And I, I'm exaggerating. Obviously, he had six interceptions. That was his uh, third fumble. Yeah, um, you need to put the word only in front of six. Yeah. Only six interceptions. Yeah. All well, that's what I'm saying. How, how well he's taking care of the football game. How how where how well he's taking care of the football, and he's playing his best football ever. And you have that one play. I I I understand why Howie Roseman is depressed. Is all I'm trying to say. All right. So then I put this question to you, and if Howie were on the line, I'd put it to him as well. As depressed as he might have been yesterday. Super Bowl window closed. No, because. Um, you know, you still have a very young quarterback who's playing at an extremely high level and should only get better. Um, you know, we talk about his ceiling. Um, there's no reason to think he can't get better. I will say it's going to be more difficult. Um, it, it You're not going to have a season like you had this year. That, that ain't happening. Where you're the best team in football, almost from start to finish, um, where you're... Uh, 16 and one when the starting quarterback is on the field, when you have a top five offense, a top five defense, that ain't happening again. 70 sacks, that ain't happening. Um, you got to go about it a different way, but they're in the conversation to being one of the best teams. It's just going to be more difficult. I agree with you there because uh, some who are subscribing to the theory that you're subscribing, oh, we had it. It was there. It was a taken. We were the better team. All those angles to look at it. And then you don't. Well, then it flit, fritters away that, that you missed out on your opportunity to win a championship. I don't believe that window's closed at all. As long as you've got your good young head coach in place, what they do, your good young quarterback in place that you do, a, a significant chunk of your offensive line. Now, here's where it's going to be a key. Is Jason Kelsey coming back? I'm a big Isaac Samalo fan. I'm going to be bummed when he leaves. I think that you're right. We've been saying here, somebody's going to pay him. Somebody's going to pay him big bucks. Probably more than the Eagles are going to be able to afford to with all the other roster moves they have to make. They're probably going to go elsewhere. I think we'll find out a little bit. Sometimes... As good as Stoutland is, and I'm as big a Stoutland guy as anybody else, Stoutland University, the, the whole plug-and-play thing, uh, good luck getting somebody as good as Isaac Samalo. They might get no. close, but I don't think they're going to be able to just replace him. You better hope that Jason Kelsey comes back, because if Jurgens is going to be your guy, and you're going to play him either at right guard and or center, he can't play both. And no. if you're dropping down another notch to replace Isaac, because Jurgens has got to stay uh, at center because Kelsey decides to walk away. Then I think that could be pretty significant. That could. Well, be, here's here's where right. here here's where you know one one thing. Jason Jason's not going to leave the Eagles wondering. He's going to let them know what it so they can plan if he's coming back. If he's not coming back, 
they they're probably going to resign Isaac. They're they're going to have the money to resign Isaac if Jason Kelsey comes back. Uh, doesn't come back. So in that instance, I don't think you're going to have to replace both. Um, I think, you know, Cam's going to either play center or he's going to play right guard next year. I don't think you're going to have to replace both because Jason Kelsey will let them know uh, so they can plan. And if he's not coming back, I think they'll re-sign Isaac. If he is coming back, I don't think they can re-sign Isaac. It's too much. That, that makes a lot of sense, and I hope you're right on that. But let me ask you a question. Um, if they prioritize, and again, this is my speculation, nobody else is, well, I shouldn't say nobody else is, some people uh, I've seen and heard, and or heard get on the record and say he's the number one priority. I think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is the guy that they're going to, after Jalen, of course, in a contract suspension, that's not a free agent that's just a contract that needs to get done. Uh, I would think that Chauncey is the guy that they would put on the top of their priority list to get re-signed. Number two for me would either be Isaac or Bradbury. If they need to re-sign, they can only re-sign one of the two. Which one do you think they'd prioritize? Boy, I'm assuming think they, that assuming that assuming uh, assuming Kelsey gets Kelsey back, is back. Yes. assuming Kelsey's back, I would I would think Bradbury, but not in, I don't think they're they'd have, they're getting either. I don't think Bradbury's coming back. I don't think Isaac's coming back. If Jason is playing, um, and Howie that I go back to Howie admitted one of the one of the things for people paying attention. Oh, we're going to have some comp picks because he knows he knows certain guys are are. He can't do it. And Bradbury's going to get a big chunk of money. And whenever anybody mentions comp picks, who do you immediately think of? Oh, that's Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy Kemsky, <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Comp Pick himself. When yeah, I was it's going to be a big offseason. I was in the car Kemp. driving at the time, and, he said, and we're going to have comp picks. Boom, yeah. I immediately thought of Jimmy Kemsky. Yeah, that's <laughs> Jimmy's brand, comp picks. It, it sure is. And we'll get Kemsky up next week. He owes us. We'll get him up next week. I'll tell you who's coming up next, our buddy Les Bowen, longtime Eagles beat reporter, as we continue to talk about almost the week now of Eagle pain after loss in the Super Bowl. Uh, we haven't had Les on to give us his thought <laughs> on why the Eagles didn't walk away with another Lombardi trophy. He will next here on Birds 365. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. 
But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event. Post Game Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post Game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are the Mac and Mac guys here on Birch 365, McMullen and McDonald. We're going to spend the next uh, 20, 25 minutes talking about the birds with the guy who's only been covering them for decades. Our buddy Les Bowen jumps in with us here on Birch 365. Uh, Les, as soon as the Super Bowl ended and the Eagles had come up short, Harrison Butker kicked the field goal. If you had to wait till after they ran that last attempted Hail Mary, which didn't get anywhere near being a prayer answered. What was the first thought that came into your mind? Just that it was a huge opportunity missed. And maybe my perceptions are colored by the the things that I've covered in the past, the McNabb era Eagles, the Lindros era Flyers before that. You know, I've just seen too much of this. You know, I knew everyone was going to say, well, Jalen Hurts is 24 and you know, Sirianni's young and they've got this and they've got that and they're they're going to be a competitive team going forward. And they are. They are. But I've never seen a, a situation where this really worked out. And I know it has in other cities, you know, but <laughs> I, I just whenever a team gets there and doesn't win it, it with a young cast, I'm always like, oh, boy, you know, this. And we all know you guys were talking before I came on about the free agents, you know, that are going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be how we really admitted that, hard, by the way. Yeah. really hard to reassemble a cast as good as the one they had Sunday. And they had better, a better roster, slightly better than the Kansas City Chiefs had. And they had a 10 point lead going into the mm-hmm. third quarter. And I, I've just never seen a defense uh, out-schemed that badly 
to say that they didn't get a stop is doesn't even begin to cover it. I mean, they didn't come close to getting a stop. It was when you talk about Patrick Mahomes beating them, you're thinking, okay, he must have thrown like a pass sidearm while being tackled by three people, 40 yards, you know, through the air. Who can possibly? He didn't have to do anything like that. He just stood wow. there. His found, longest you know, pass play, wide open last, the- I, I can't get over it. He threw for 182 yards. His longest pass play was 22 yards. If I said that before the game, yes. everybody's signing up. Everybody's yes. signing up. But they I, ran I, the ball through giant holes in the yeah. Eagles line. And yeah. uh, I was just so, you know, you and I have disagreed, John, about Jonathan Gannon. I haven't, I've kind of been on your side some. I mean, there have been times when the criticism has been ridiculous. You know, you, I'm not one of these people who thinks it's 1990 and you can play Buddy Ryan's defense and, you know, blitz every play and that works. That doesn't work. But I just, what happened in the second half there just can't happen. You know, it wasn't a matter of Kansas City having all these great players like Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, it it was a matter of just not being able to figure out what they were doing and how to counter it. And no, me, I mean, four stunning. possessions, and the only reason there wasn't four touchdowns is because Jarek McKinnon's a very savvy player. Otherwise, yeah. it would have been four for four. Uh, so, look, I, Jonathan Gannon deserves a whole heap of criticism for that second-half collapse. I do think there's some personnel issues in there. You know, yeah. one of the things, Les, I find interesting is, you know, everybody uses that term adjustments. And it drives mm-hmm. me crazy because they don't tell you. They say, oh, you got to make adjustments. Well, I don't want to hear that. What are the adjustments that you want them to make? My issue, I kind of turn it a, a, a 180. The Eagles played more man coverage than they have all season. They're yeah. blitzing. Uh, one of the not not the most, but one of the most blitz heavy games they've had all season. Why that that's my problem. Like, why yeah. are you going away from what made you the number two defense in the NFL with the number one pass defense? Why why? Because you have the extra week. Are you that spooked by Andy Reid to say I got to do something different? That that was my that's my biggest criticism. Yeah, I don't understand that either. I don't really know. It, to me, it was more the fact that they couldn't handle motion. Right. They, yeah. You know, wow. Well, fake too. motion, real motion, yeah. and I wonder if that doesn't. Ha- and apparently, this was a problem at various points during the season. I don't really chart the X's and O's that closely, especially now that I'm retired and I don't have to do things like that. But. Uh, it just the, the fact that their offense doesn't use a lot of motion. And I said that too. They never offense. practice against it. They yeah. never use motion. Yeah. This bothers me a little. You know, I think maybe they need to do that. Uh, you know, because that's certainly it's a magic word in the league right now. It's something good offenses do. The Eagles have a very good offense, but they don't do a lot of it. And uh, you know, I would love to see a defense that could handle you know, motion and, and not get flummoxed or lose assignments or, you know, uh, screw things up out of that. And maybe that, maybe John, maybe the fact that they didn't play a whole lot of man during the season was why they couldn't play it effectively in the yeah. Super Bowl. 
but yeah. that, I think that's that's probably right. So I don't know why you make that shift in on the biggest stage. It was perplexing to me, to yeah. say the least. Well, well maybe because Kansas City, you play a lot of zone because you don't want to be beat over top, right? Yeah. Kansas City didn't do that all year, and they didn't certainly didn't do it Sunday. You know, they were yeah. right about that. I mean, that doesn't now that Tyreek Hill is gone, Kansas City just doesn't do that. So, yeah. you know, maybe that was his thinking, but it didn't work. Whatever he did, and and it really galls me, guys, that Jonathan Gannon is never going to have to account for this. He's never going to have to explain anything. He went out to Arizona. Or he stayed in Arizona. Excuse me. <laughs> you know. They had a press conference yesterday, and I didn't expect a lot out of that because nobody in Arizona cares what happened to the Eagles. No. You know, they want to know about what he's going to do with Kyler Murray. And, you know, yeah. and he came off very well. He came off as a, you know, really energetic, square jawed, you know, we're going to get this done, just watch us go kind of guy. But what happened in the second half of the Super Bowl? You know, yeah. I mean, there was just no. It would have been nice. You know, I, I will say, um, you're right. I mean, he should have talked. Um, but I, I still haven't talked to Jim Swartz about Super Bowl 52, and they won that game. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a little less – the fact that they won makes it less pressing, you know? I mean, Yes, yes. <laughs> but l let me ask both you guys a question. Either one of you say since Sunday, and why haven't we had the chance to talk to Shane Steichen? People bring up Jonathan Gannon, and no one mentioned Shane Steichen, who, oh, by the way, hasn't talked to the Philadelphia media since the game was over as well. Is it just because the offense played yeah, as well as the it offense did? played well. That's why. Yeah, so we only care about – we only care somebody yeah. down instead of propping somebody up. Is that well, what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. The, but, difference yeah. Is, the difference is, Jody, that everybody knows it's Nick Sirianni's offense, and you can talk to Nick Sirianni. Apparently yeah. the Colts don't since they handed Shane Steichen their head coaching yeah. job. Well, that's always the question with an offensive coordinator. But, you know, I think Shane Steichen's a smart guy. But it, you can ask Nick offensive questions and get them answered in, in, in a – Okay. I, you know, know, well, I and, and by the way, Nick answered defensive questions as well yesterday. So I give yeah. him credit. Um, but he didn't really that, – that press conference also was frustrating to me in that – you got a question, I think it might have been from Elliot, about, you know, okay, what happened in the second half? And Nick's answer was, well, you know, the first half, we controlled the ball and they didn't convert third downs. And in the second half, they controlled the ball and they did convert third downs. Yeah. Well, no kidding. I mean, we all watched <laughs> the game. Why? That, that wasn't Why, deep analysis man? there Why? out of the coach lens. Is that what you're saying? You know, his and the next and, and nobody says, OK, well, hold on here, Nick. What what were the reasons for that? Instead, the next question is, how about the slippery turf? You know, and it and these and I'm not criticizing reporters because I've been in that situation many times. And the way the Eagles handle it, there's like 30 people there and they're all yelling their questions, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and you just pick out whoever, you know, yells the loudest. And it's it, that deal yesterday should have been. 10 minutes on the Super Bowl, then we're going to have questions about the coordinators and the offseason and Hurts and all that. Yeah, sometimes yeah. I, you know, I, I, it's a give and take, as you know, Les, but there's too many reporters, too much shouting. But you yeah. don't want the microphones either because then it becomes 
too structured. You can't have follow-ups. So yeah. it, it it's a give and take, and it gets difficult at times. It gets bogged down. But um, I I do give um, Howie uh, Howie credit for not playing into the turf. I yeah. mean, he shut that down. He's like, uh, you know, both teams played on the turf. So one thing, and James Bradbury too, stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. Look, to me, it was over when James Bradbury said, yeah, I held him. I was hoping I could get away with it. It's over for me. Uh, why do you think people hold on to the field and the penalty so much when the Eagles? Because it was such a close there? game and so little, little tiny things meant so much. And the field thing did affect the Eagles more than the Chiefs. You know, I agree we, with that. I, I keep seeing all these. It really the one Andrew Wiley, this guy that plays right tackle for the Chiefs, people have been posting stuff on Twitter and Instagram about the wonderful job he did. And they post these clips. And in every clip, Hassan Reddick is falling down and Andrew <laughs> Wiley is pouncing on top of him. Oh, yeah. Wow. What a block. Uh, you know, it's it's but there's nothing you can do about it. I think that's how he's. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, it probably get fine like too. Probably if get something fine. happens during the game that's a problem with a rule, then you can go to the league and say, okay, at the league meetings, we're going to press for changing this rule. Well, the NFL doesn't want to have crappy fields in the Super Bowl. There's no issue there. Evidently, you know? they don't give up flying, you know what? Because they, well, had I a think they just field. didn't mean for this to be the case. I don't think <clears throat> they don't care. Uh, I think they thought they had a good feel. The Super Bowl isn't going to be there next year. You know, I mean, there's just nothing to address going forward that's going to move Less, this in any way. Actually, there are two stadiums that had that same turf system, and, and State Farm Stadium uh, is obviously one of them. And by the way, it's been a problem for years. The other one is Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, and that's where, oh, the, that's Super where the Super Bowl is next year. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just think, uh, you know, you, you can't go anywhere with that. You can go somewhere like the year that I was actually covering that NFC Championship game where the Saints guy got clobbered, you know, by the Rams guy before yeah. the pass got yeah. there. You know, that you address with the league. Yeah, the field, I don't think there's anything left for you to address, so you might as well move on. Uh, but uh, the Bradbury thing, you mentioned that. I, You're right, but... And we all know how many penalties were called in that game and that only two of them were not procedure uh, pre-snap penalties. And that was one. <laughs> and it was not anything. If you can watch that in, in uh, non-slow-mo, live action, and you still can't tell in any way how Juju Smith-Schuster is impeded from running his route, it's it. Yeah, he, he tugged on his shirt, but it, you know, it didn't. Well, that to me is it, though, because yeah. that's what officials call. When they see that jersey yeah. come out, that's when the flag so. comes out. Yeah. So that, from my standpoint, I I, I I, didn't even, I was over that in like 10 seconds. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Yeah, well, so the jersey the thing I, think, I think Les is, is with me on this one because of the way he just stated it. The reason why I had a problem with the call was, there needs to be a little evaluation and just call it. It can't be so uh, black and white, uh, yay or nay. If a jersey comes away from the uniform, it's a foul. 
No, if it doesn't hurt the player's ability to make the play, then with two minutes to go in a game that you haven't called a pass interference or a holding or anything at all game, and you've set the the bar as to what an actual hold is, now it's not the time to be calling the a last the, the last thing I want, guys, is more subjectivity on on these yeah. officials' plates. I mean, that's you know, more but they do use that standard, uh, John. They do use that standard. You see it when we're listening to these of uh, the old, yeah, you know, the retired officials explain calls every Sunday. You get this, especially when there's hand fighting downfield, and you'll watch a replay, and both guys are pushing each other and arm barring each other and finally the ball gets there and the explanation for the no call is well the receiver wasn't impeded in making the catch well the other guy's hands were all over him you know but he kind of fought back so therefore it's no harm no foul well i i I mean i'm with you Les. i mean they make mistakes all the time that's my my general policy and jody knows i don't complain about officiating because they're gonna make mistakes there's you know one of the biggest cliches and you know Les, you probably heard it a million times over the years control what you can control how many coaches say that uh how many players say that i i can't complain about officiating because it's baked in I mean, yeah, yeah, sometimes you're going to get screwed. Sometimes you're going to get a a play that works for you. I understand it's a big spot. But for that particular play, and again, when James Bradbury says it himself, all right, case closed to me. I mean. But here's the thing with James Bradbury. I'd love to be able to talk to him now that, you know, several days have passed. So you have this situation, third and eight, what, minute 40-something left, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He if he doesn't tug the guy's jersey, one of two things is going to happen. The ball goes to the end zone. So Juju Smith-Schuster isn't falling down on the one-yard line. He's going to score a touchdown. Yeah. So the Eagles get the ball back with a chance to tie with a minute 40-something seconds left. Or, and I think this is what would have happened, the ball is overthrown and it's an incomplete pass. And the, the Eagles get the chance back ball back with a minute 40 something left and a chance to win the game. Yeah. The only thing that can end the game at that point is him taking a penalty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, he's one of the savviest players you're ever going to see. Yes. And, yes, and, I know. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's a tough break. There's no doubt about that. And that's why, look, we've been joking about this, uh, for a couple of days now, the Elizabeth Kubler Ross Ross model of five stages, stages agree. Yeah. Uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Howie looked awfully depressed to me yesterday. You know Howie; he always likes to crack jokes. Right. They don't land, um, <laughs> but he always tries. God bless him. Um, not nothing yesterday, man. He 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 understood the opportunity that was there. Yeah, I think he understands how difficult what you were talking about, how difficult they might be a Super Bowl contender next year. They're not going to be this good. They're not going to be what they were this season. And you just look at the history of teams in this game. You know, Kansas City, everyone is calling Kansas City a dynasty now. Well, Kansas City won the Super Bowl, what was it, four years ago? And three years ago, I'm sorry, and took two years to get back. 
you know, after that, they didn't come back last year. They weren't there last year. Cincinnati was there last year. Yeah. And Cincinnati thought it would get back, but, and should have probably actually was going to win that game, I think, against Kansas City until Asai pushed Patrick Mahomes out of bounds. Um, it's just, there's so much that has to happen to get you back into that game. You can be plenty good. I'm not yeah. saying the Eagles are going to be a terrible team next year. Although I saw that happen in 2005 for a lot of reasons. But, you know, the Eagles can be a very, very good team next year and still not get to the Super Bowl, <laughs> still not have as many people healthy, still not have, you know, Jalen Hurts, even with his shoulder, play one of the better games in the history of, of the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, it's uh, that's why it's hard to get through this. You know, I think for Eagles fans is that, so much lined up for them. It was right there. They were 30 minutes away, you know, from, from doing this. And, and by the way, I don't know where you were last in the stadium. I thought that game was over. I, I thought that yeah. the Eagles were just better. At, that was my thought process yeah. at halftime. I'm like, well, this team can't play with the Eagles. Yeah. That was my thought process. I was a little concerned because the weird thing about the – the defensive touchdown meant the Eagles had the ball for a long time. Yeah, almost yeah. didn't, And that yeah. skewed things just a little bit, but the defense was able to get a stop or two in the first half. And I just thought the Eagles offense was so dominant that, you know, the, the chiefs had screwed it up. They were down 10 points and they weren't going to make that up. And, yeah. and that's, you know, we'd have, the offense doesn't get a lot of criticism because they scored so much, but, it was so much harder for the Eagles to score than it was the Chiefs in that game. Uh, you know, the 17-play field goal drive. You yeah, know, yeah. what the hell was that? It's <laughs> painful. I, I, I do want to ask you this, because I brought this up on WIP on Monday night, and you knew better than I do because you were with them every single day. The 2004 into 2005 mm -hmm. Eagles two-year run. They go from being in the Super Bowl down in Jacksonville against the Patriots, had a chance. Teal comes back out of the chamber to have a yeah. big game, and Donovan may or may not have puked on the field. We all remember the story. But then 2005 happened, and they went from being in the Super Bowl to out of the playoffs completely. What lesson can Nick Sirianni get? And he, what was the word yesterday that he didn't buy into um, about, uh, uh, about from the Super Bowl? Uh, somebody asked a specific question and he, he wouldn't answer. And I can't remember the word that the questioner know. used about description. What, what, what lesson? It was a lesson. What was a yeah. word? Help me out here, John. I don't, um, know. I don't know where you're going. I would if I could. Hey, he hey, hey, hey is someone, hungry. You know, uh, scarred? Are you going there? No, scarred was, was Howie, my Howie description scarred. for Howie. Um, yeah. But somebody asked a specific. I uh, never mind. Super Bowl hangover? Mm, no. no, that's not where I'm going. Uh, what? All right, so here, and again, I apologize. Les, what lesson can Nick Sirianni, if he went back, talk to Les Bowen and Andy Reid and everybody else who was part of that team, Donovan McNabb, the lesson from going from Super Bowl contender to out of the playoffs, what happened to that, that team that the Eagles have to avoid that happening again this year after a Super Bowl loss? Well, the biggest thing that happened to that team was T.O., and yeah. I don't think yeah, that's yeah. going to happen. Nobody's here. going down the T.O. road no, with no. this group? Nobody. No, no, not at all. Everything, But there were other problems there 
that was a different situation with that team. You know, you had, and I won't belabor this too much, you had a defense that was kind of at its peak in 2004. Some guys were getting old. And, you know, the, the defense had actually been better a couple years earlier, but the offense wasn't ready to get them to the Super Bowl. And finally, they got enough of an offense, and McNabb was mature enough to get them to a Super Bowl. But right after that, the defense kind of started to really struggle, and injuries and the whole T.O. thing blew up, and they just didn't have, you know, they didn't have what this team has, I don't think, although uh, they did, you know, they had to really, when they got back to the NFC Championship game after the 2008 season, by then they had Deshaun Jackson, uh, you know, Brian Westbrook was at his peak by then. Uh, they really had to kind of reload and recalibrate and uh, find some new guys like Trent Cole and, you know, people like that. I don't think this team, although there will be some holes with free agency, I don't think this team is as close to the end of the line as that one was. That was the end of a, of a four-year run of making it to the NFC Championship game, right. you know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very different situation. The one thing I'll say that Nick needs to know is, everything starts to happen real fast after this because you played so much longer than you usually do. Yeah. You know, the spring stuff is oh, going to yeah. come before guys are ready. Training camp is going to be like, like 10 early. days. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, and you might not have, you know, last year they got off to such an incredible start and I don't think that's really crucial. You know, I, a lot of teams don't get off to, you know, you don't have to be 12 and 0. You know, the, the important thing is how you finish. Uh, you know, Kansas City didn't get off to a 12-0 start this season. You know, I think they might be a little muddled early in the year and people still trying to process things. And, you know, it. I think it's, it's more – it's not going to be like this year. You know, training camp isn't going to be like, you know, we're going to really show everybody this year. And if he tries to establish that – tone i don't think it's it's a good tone i think it has to be okay we're building our way back we're we're you know we're trying to uh get ourselves up off the the mat i I don't think it's it's as chipper and as uh you know we're everything's new and wonderful as it was last year the word i was trying to think of was wisdom Somebody asked Nick yeah. what wisdom he's going to take. Oh, okay. I didn't know where. And he wasn't buying into wisdom, yeah. and nor was yeah. I. So thank you for which, that. Which that kind of disappointed me, because I really think they could have used – I thought Andy used his two weeks better than the Eagles used their two weeks, right? Andy he, always uses his two weeks, yeah. the extra week better. But you know yeah. that uh, – That's that, the answer about, well, we can't go back and review everything about that Jacksonville play. What the hell? You know, I mean, you can – that's what you do. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that's how you win these games is by finding stuff like yeah. that, you know? You, you uh, could find stuff. But, you know, to be fair, I mean, the Eagles run the same plays all the time and people can't stop them yeah. offensively. I mean, just because you see a play once doesn't mean you're going to be able to stop it again. But they should have right. done a better job. Now, one thing I'll end it here with you, at Les Bowen, follow Les on Twitter. Um you were through the attrition of the coaching staff with Andy. Um, you know, that yeah. first, that 99 coaching staff, 
of Andy Reid's is unbelievable. How many yes. different head coaches ultimately came off that staff? You know how hard all of a sudden you lose guys. I know most fans don't care about Jonathan Gannon. That's fine. Shane Steichen. Um, it was interesting, you know, you and I knew, most people knew that Jonathan Gannon was in place before Nick Sirianni. Nick admitted Shane was in place before Nick Sirianni yesterday, mm-hmm. which I had no idea. No. Yes, Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Roseman like to get involved with the head coaching, uh, st- with the yeah. coaching staff. Um, we saw Doug Peterson leave. Yeah, over that exactly. Has that become a problem at some point? Because – Nick certainly sounded like a guy who he taught. I think he mentioned the word in-house three or four times. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point, John. You know, I think Nick was clearly signaling that he has in-house people he wants to promote. And we'll see if that happens. You know, these are huge decisions. I don't think losing either Shane Steichen or Jonathan Gannon necessarily dooms the Eagles or, causes a huge disruption in anything, but you really do have to replace them with, with very good people. And we all felt like in 2017, there was a lot of back and forth about how much it meant that Frank Reich and John Filippo left, but it meant something. I mean, it changed the, the juju, you know, yeah. it really, yeah. and, and I, they've got to really do this right. I think Brian Johnson is the obvious right answer. Uh, at offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. I don't know. At Denard Wilson, everybody likes him, but you know, when your defensive backs don't know how to hand off, uh, yeah, you know, motion, <laughs> is he really a great guy? I don't know. You know, yeah. um, I certainly wouldn't bring in anybody defensively who's going to totally change the scheme because they they drafted players and signed players to play this scheme. I think that would be a very hard thing to do, but. Uh, yeah, this is if if uh, Howie and Jeffrey are going to tell Shane, you know, I mean, tell Nick, excuse me, that we've got to have this guy or that guy. I think that's going to be a real problem. I don't see that happening. I think my idea of the Howie uh, Nick relationship is that they are just very, very tight, more so than has ever been the case here with Howie and the head coach. And I think, you know, I think they'll work this out in a way that they're both really happy with. But that is a tendency. You're right, John. That is something that has come up in the past and, you know, certainly could be at play uh, soon. Les, as always, we appreciate whenever you jump aboard. Thanks for getting up with us early today. Uh, It looks like you've gotten to the final stage of uh, grief uh, acceptance. Uh, So we're glad for that. Uh, No no frustration out of you like Howie Roseman yesterday. Thanks for jumping in with us this morning. Very good to be here. Thank you, guys. Our pleasure. Les Bowen, we're going to continue to punch him up because he's got as good a grasp on the 2022, now 2023 Eagles, and also the history of the Eagles as anybody here in town. I'd eat John McBone. I'm Jody McDonald. You know what we're going to do. Come back. Put a bow on the show. Stay here. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game now streaming on the Six ABC Family of Apps.
Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Mulebronner, managing partner at Delval Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Out of the time in this non-football Friday edition of Birds 365, Johnny Mac and I will be back on Monday. So I think about what can happen over this weekend during the 48 hours that we're not with you guys. Not a whole hell of a lot. I don't think that there's going to be an official appointment of either their offense coordinator or defense coordinator. It's leaked out. They want to meet with Vance Joseph the former Bronco head coach and now Cardinal DC, who is getting interviewed by Sean Payton as a defense coordinator in Denver. They're going to supposedly bring him in and talk to him as well outside the organization, Rooney Rule and the like. Who are they going to bring in from outside to talk about the offensive coordinator position? One that there's massive speculation that it's a done deal. It's going to be Brian Johnson anyway. So who comes in for that all-important dress-it-up, make-it-look-good interview for Rooney Rule purposes. No idea, because as I said, Jody, there are going to be guys who say, you know what? We know Brian's getting the job. I'm not going to waste my time. Now, there are other probably, it's going to be probably younger off the radar name that just wants to get his name out there, that he got an offensive coordinator interview. That's my guess, the way it's going to go. Um, and and we might hear that name leak out o- over the weekend. Um but I, you know, I don't think it's going to be, you know, Eric Bieniemy is going to get the Washington job. People are saying, "Well, go get Eric, <laughs> go in a bit." No, Eric Bieniemy wouldn't have come here because he knows uh, 
you know, he's not in a position. So it's going to be, to me, it's going to be an unknown name, a lesser name that doesn't get a ton of interviews. Uh, and maybe it helps him just to get his name out there. But the defensive coordinator is more interesting. I think there might be more names uh, that the Eagles take a look at it because they got to get that one right. I mean, Les is right. This is Nick Sirianni's offense, uh, no matter who's running it. Um, so there's some con- constant there. You're, you, Jonathan Gannon, for better or for worse, most Eagles fans worse. Um, that was his beat them, man. Defense was his, you know, when you're a, when you have an offensive head coach, the defensive coordinator is the next most important person. Even if you're not calling the plays, he's still the next most important person because you don't have the expertise on that side of the football. So that's it. That's a decision the Eagles have to get get right. And I think it's ironic that you threw the enemy's name out there to make your point because there is a fine line. There's a light, like a cutting edge of interviewing for positions you want to get your name out there that's a good thing you want the experience of doing it so if you don't get the gig the next time you do it you're a little bit better prepared for that type interview but at some point there's a tipping point and then you become the guy who interviews all the time and never gets the gig yeah then that throws up some red flags and some question marks and that unfortunately has been Eric B. Enemy's uh, history. This is a different one for an offense coordinator rather than a head coach, but still interviewing is interviewing. It'd be real interesting to see who that young unknown guy is. Uh, Cause that that's the one thing I think can happen over the weekend. The name will leak out of who the Eagles might interview. Who's not Brian Johnson, that they'll bring in, they'll glad hand, they'll pick his brain, they'll let him go, they'll say, you're in the mix, and then they'll turn around and hire Brian Johnson. Anyway, uh, so that will be, but I don't think that's till next week. When, yes, John McMullen and Jody McDonald will both be back here, uh, start to look ahead toward the combine. Johnny mentioned, how many days, like 10 or 11? Till the combine? Yeah, man, I got to start getting in the draft. I got to, you know, when you're when the team you cover makes the Super Bowl, you're way behind. They're running behind, behind. and yeah. the team is the people who cover the team. Everybody is a little behind. We'll be playing catch up, and we'll do some uh, draft stuff next week. That's for sure. With the combine coming up, John McMullen and Jody McDonald will be back here Monday in two and two. You've been listening to Birds Three Sixty Five, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at. Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.